0: Hi Ash, how are you?
1: Hey, good thanks, David. Yourself?
0: Very good. Very good to see you. Um welcome to the the leader series. Um I think this is the the second one we've done in 2021. So deep into lockdown three. <laughs> um I I hope when people listen back to this in the future, they're not like, yeah, we're in lockdown 33 now. Or <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you never know, do you, you never know? I've been, I've been tracking it along. We've been talking quite a lot along the way of and we should be out of this soon but um yeah ever since we've been starting this we've been in lockdown so so yeah people are pretty pretty used to my background now it's good to see you've got the uh the yellow jersey, which you told me was Garrett thomas's yellow jersey from, from
1: the, the yeah yeah that was uh that was a purchase uh charity auction some years ago fantastic good stuff
0: yeah a legend um so um so Uh, For our listeners, um, GCS is a technology recruitment business, um, and we work globally, mostly in Europe and the US. Um, GCS Connect is our community, uh, which we've built to introduce expert talent to innovative companies. And the leader series is where we pick the best leaders and the most innovative people from our our community and give them half an hour. We chat to them about business, technology, and how they see the the world kind of going over the next six months and also how their business is going. We've been joined by Ash Gawthorpe today, who's Academy Services Director and one of the co-founders of 1010, uh, which is a professional services and testing consultancy based in the UK. Uh, 25 years experience, so we've got about the same amount of experience you and me, Ash, been around been around the block a while. Um, and one of the co-founders of 1010 started in 2005 has been through different guises and in 2016, uh, moved into really being the 1010 that we we know and love today so um so it's great to speak to you ash um really interested to kind of find out one about obviously 1010 the business and how you see it going forward but also your real kind of involvement in the academy which is a really interesting thing and something we'll we'll discuss in more detail later but obviously that's my introduction just want to just quickly kind of tell me a little bit about yourself a bit about your background maybe and um you know how you're kind of feeling going into to 2021 now, you know, new year, the bounce back year.
1: Sure. Well, thanks so much for inviting me along today, David. This is uh, no, no really, really good. Um, so, in terms of uh, my my background, um, so by um, training, I'm an engineer. Uh, my degree was in electronic engineering. Um, yeah. then worked in numerous uh, different roles: hardware engineering, software engineering, um, sort of quality and performance engineering over the years. Um, And nowadays, um, so my role within 1010 is running our um, 1010 Graduate Academy. Um, We started back in uh, 2013, which blindly seems like a very long time ago um, on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's just absolutely... Those academy managers now, the CTOs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's really one of the best things when we interview people for the academy, one question I've often asked is, what's one of the best things about doing what I do. And it really is that seeing people grow and develop over time, you know, we now have um, people who we're still working with with clients who are managing teams of people that have been through the academy process and their teams are also formed from people who've been through that academy process so we're sort of building up these as you say these tiers we haven't got to a cto yet i think that's probably some years yeah uh, no,
0: that's right We've 2013 that'd be that'd be some special graduate <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you'd be giving them
1: your yellow your yellow jersey Absolutely, yeah 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 um but in terms of 2021 i mean we're i'd say we're, we're pretty positive really um, you know 2020 um, that was that was tough um you know when we when we went into lockdown gosh must be you know it's not too far away from a year coming up to now I guess um what we found was that um you know everything was going um fairly well um we were working with clients we were onboarding new projects with clients Mm -hmm. and then um when we suddenly went into lockdown and everybody was forced to work from home essentially that that's when things started to struggle really um you know so, so we had clients sort of stopped thinking about new projects and started thinking about just how do they survive? How do they keep the lights yeah, on? yeah?
0: Um,
1: how do they um, you know just continue going, not focusing on new projects and onboarding people?
0: Um, do, you, do you think, you know, obviously 25 years, and we talk about this quite a lot, do you think that was probably, has this been the most challenging period in your, in your business career, would you say?
1: I would say so, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and certainly um, just the fact that, Well, with hindsight, you see it coming, but at the time, you know, nobody, nobody really saw this. I mean, myself and and Chris, our CEO, we, we flew back from the US, we were away in the US, Uh, we flew back into the UK, Um, and then less than a week from the point that we got back, you know, then everybody suddenly was, was at home and and nothing was moving and we're in lockdown without really visibility of what was happening or when it was going to come to an end. And it was,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you, you know, you, you see a lot about it on the news and you've heard about other things but when it comes down to it no, you know we all made our proposals you know we're all kind of private x backed i think mean both our companies are private x backed Um you you make those proposals and you're thinking you never would in your mind think this is what's going to happen would you
1: you, you, no. that's not, that wasn't something in your mind so absolutely not I mean unprecedented is a word I have found myself using a lot over the last year never used it before ever um but yeah absolutely the, the plans that we made for that year in terms of expansion in terms of where we we're going you know all those were, were just put on hold you know we went from um hitting that plan and kind of and then sort of exceeding it in some ways to almost just going into survival mode really
0: yeah. And, and obviously in, in professional services, I mean, one of the, the key things, like you said, you're out in America, you're meeting clients, you know, that's obviously, you know, cut off, is not able to do. And that's obviously, I'm, I'm sure, part of your, you know, we want to understand our clients, we want to work with our clients, we want to kind of, you know, sit down with them and, and understand their where their projects are going and how, how 1010 can help. And I'm assuming that was one of the the problems, right? You know, you had to kind of re, almost rethink your business model. You know, how how quickly did you have to do that? You know, and how did you do that? Pretty pretty
1: quickly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of just those challenges of, of going from most of our people working on client sites or, or with clients from our own offices to suddenly overnight, pretty much having to to work from home. Ten um, yeah. tens point of view ourselves we were reasonably able to cope with that. You know, all of our people have laptops. Um, yeah. Everybody has a, a broadband connection sufficient. So they are able to work from home if they need to or work from different locations. You know, we had remote access, we had VPN connectivity that was able to cope. We, we were kind of able, able to do that. Um, some of our clients were able to do that easily. Some of them struggled a little bit in terms yeah. of, being yeah. able to do that. But having, I think that was a key thing, having to do it so quickly and just having no time to prepare what yeah. was, was the key challenge there. Um, in my own world, from, a, from an academy point of view, um, you know, within the 1010 Graduate Academy, we bring emerging talent and young people into the business yeah. and we train them up. And that's, that's, that's kind of the what we do. we do that face-to-face very much. You know, we have, From our training facility in Leeds, we have five houses that we put them all up in and then we bring them into the classrooms. Um, yeah. The time that the lockdown hit, we were ready to go with another cohort of the academy people were onboarded, um they were hired they were ready to move into the houses they were ready to start training in the classrooms yeah. and overnight all that had to to stop essentially you know we, we we got an inkling maybe it was coming but we had to pivot we had to go from all of the training we'd done in the classroom to suddenly all of it being done remotely yeah. um, and from I mean,
0: a, a, I've got kids, obviously, so I know the the joys of online education, you know, and how much they love it. And not. <laughs> um, do you, I'm sure that you've kind of worked worked this out now, um, but do you do you feel that it's um, it's changed the type of training that you, that you offer, the type of kind of it's obviously changed the academy experience? But do you think that people have gone through the process now and and hit those targets, and, and maybe they've hit it kind of better because there's no distractions. They can get through it quicker, that sort of thing. I mean, how has it actually worked
1: out? I, th- I think there's two sides to it. In terms of the, the the training, and in terms of how well they are taking on board that knowledge and they've been able to apply it, that's been that's been pretty good. You know, the, the modules that we give people they are um, objectively assessed, so we're able to see how well they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's also made us think about the types of learning that we do and how we're able to offer more of a blended learning model rather than just doing it all in the classroom. Some of it can be remote, some of it's on Zoom, um, as we do it now, um, but but that can, be, that can be varied a little bit. The, the hard part is um, when we have 20-odd people all living in the houses, all coming into the classroom every day, the bonds that they build with each other and with the wider business are really, really strong. Um, that has been the hardest challenge. I mean, our our being team, whose job it is to look after them, um, mm. they found that really difficult. Just just not being able to see them. And and if if somebody is struggling, then you you get an inkling of that if they're coming in every day and you're seeing them. Um, mm. If they're just joining on a video call and then disappearing off again in the evening, that's that's far harder to get those to get those insights into how they're actually doing and who yeah. are the people that really need the help. And These are gonna be people that are gonna go out and work on projects together. So if they've got that bond,
0: you know, that's where you get that, you know, those people who kind of will, you know, really, really put, go, give the 110% together, won't they? Whereas if they don't know each other as well, then that's, that's again, you, you haven't got that bond, have you, on a project or something?
1: Yeah, and we're learning, you know, we're, we're yeah. working out how we can um, form those relationships and those bonds online. Uh, yeah but it is definitely harder than when there's there when they're there 24 seven yeah as well
0: we're in the middle of our well-being month this month for gcs so um so uh as i was saying i went for a, a run this morning did 10k which i was quite pleased with because i think it's first 10k i've done for quite a few years <laughs> and we did a, a zoom pt session so we basically hired a pt and he was on zoom and then we had about 23 people on the uh on the personal trainer and then all of us were doing it, it was all up, up on the kind of team session or something and uh, yeah it was good it was a good good way of kind of getting everyone everyone was talking about it afterwards and made had a few kind of posts on instagram and that sort of thing but it was it was really interesting to kind of you know do something a bit different because like you said you, you know, that that working together that that workplace bonding is, is is really important for a team isn't it i think
1: Hugely so. And especially it sometimes feels a little bit like Groundhog Day. You know, the, sort of, the, the weeks just merge into one because you're not get that variety of going to different places, going to the office. There isn't that 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 break there anymore. So um, we've tried to do things like... Um, using strava actually you know the yeah the yeah, yeah. the kind of running club <laughs> yeah <laughs> or the, the cycling club <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so we've got some initiatives there to see how far people can get so people log when they run when they cycle and, and yeah. the original plan was to go be able to go from our office in london to our office in raleigh north carolina um yeah. and now we've kind of exceeded that in terms of mileage you know i think we've, we've got oh, fantastic. fantastic that's good we've got well, that's around the world now <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah that's
0: good um, now, i think all these things are important important we wouldn't even have I've really thought about them It's the, you know the, the business it's amazing how business has transformed itself mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic and and i don't think things will change back now i think you know the way that we are working now there will definitely be a hybrid solution going forward is that is that what your clients are saying to you is that
1: how you yeah, think absolutely work? um i think the thing that's really interesting for me is that the change we've seen in our clients you know they, we've worked with any time we work with 60 or 70 different clients at, at a point yeah. And they're really varied across different sectors and across um, how they work from a technology point of view. Um, but in the past, I'd say prior to COVID, there was quite a lot of resistance around moving sometimes to new ways of working, or at least yeah. aspirationally, they wanted to get there, but they didn't think it would work for them, or you know, various yeah. reasons why, why they couldn't make it work. And I think people have been forced to work in that capacity now in order to survive and uh, and i don't think people are going to go back necessarily to the to the old ways of working no, no i think uh, there's there's
0: definitely kind of positive elements kind of coming out of this that we've seen so so kind of coming into the academy that, that you run obviously as academy services director and there's these different cohorts that come through um you obviously started doing this when the business was mature um so what what gave you that idea was it was it a csr thing did you think it would be a good thing was it a client driven thing or how did it start it it actually
1: the idea for for doing it in the first place um, two two things it came from really one it was how seeing how we could improve of our own experiences of trying to bring junior people into our business within into our consulting teams Um, at the time we were just hiring people from a sort of comp sci maths engineering background um and we we're struggling a little bit with that firstly there weren't that many people with those qualifications um, secondly uh, sometimes but but always we bring people in and if they had the right technical skills maybe they didn't have the right soft skills that we needed for them to be able to collaborate to be able yeah. to work well within teams to be able to influence um, and thirdly, and, and most frustratingly, um, just because somebody's got a two-one in computer science, that doesn't necessarily mean that they can actually code.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that's that. That is worrying,
1: though, isn't it? <laughs> it is, anyway, it's surprising how how little, depending on the modules you elect to take, how how little of a computing science degree can actually be as practical as, as, as we would like, certainly from our point. Sure. Of. Yeah. Um, and so we found ourselves bringing people on in sort of ones and twos as, as the business required it, having to put them through some form of ad hoc training or, or maybe even thinking if we just sit them next to somebody else, maybe they'll somehow magically sort of just yeah. that knowledge through, through doing it. Um, and at the same time as doing that, my wife was hiring for a junior marketeer role. Um, yeah. And she put the remit out there for the job spec and she would um, but she binned anyone um, or put, put the CVs in the bin if they didn't have A's and B's at A level and a two or above from a Russell Group University and she could yeah. still barely get into her office for high caliber um, graduates that were applying and, and that really kind of got me thinking guess, so these were marketing
0: graduates because they, obviously there's lots of graduates. marketing graduates and not enough marketing jobs
1: exactly but, but yeah, she, yeah, she mandated a marketing degree in fact, that was almost seen as a bit of a negative thing in some ways, you know, she, that was completely irrelevant to her. She was looking for the right attitude and aptitude, essentially, for them to be able to, right. to pick, yeah. pick up marketing, but without even giving them any formal training. And, and that, that really kind of got me thinking, you know, if, if you're able to do that in a role like that, are you able to do that in a tech role? Um, yeah. and anecdotally over the years I'd worked with people who had history degrees or politics degrees yeah. who were able yeah. to write you know pretty good code and, and perform well in software development roles. So I thought, yeah. Well, yeah, clearly. Well, once you've possible. got that opportunity, then you can start, mm-hmm. can't you? You know, you, you're kind sort
0: of learning on the job, aren't you? And some of the best, some of the best yeah. engineers, definitely some of the best kind of on the network side, you know, cybersecurity have kind of worked out from a service desk and a help desk position and just learned, haven't they, on
1: the job? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But sometimes as well. I'd equally had worked with people who were software developers, for example, who they were okay, but they, you know, they weren't great. Um, and they'd yeah. have a degree in software engineering or in computer science yeah. and, and they would do a, a pretty good job. But then when it came to sometimes making those leaps of knowledge or coming up with something really quite unusual. Creativity. They yeah, yeah. struggle a little bit with yeah. that. Um, and so we, we essentially thought, well, why don't we try an experiment? We'll bring people in, hiring them, not based on the knowledge they have or the degree type, but hire them based on their aptitude for technology through a whole set of assessments that we provided them with and also really that drive and the attitude to learning them wanting to um to learn and having a hunger to learn about technology i think it's a
0: really really good um it's a really great way of looking because it means you can you can use different educational backgrounds bring people from different kind of areas bring new ideas in can't you Mm
1: -hmm. oh hugely so hugely so Um, and I mean, just, just on that point there, um, you know, when we look at it, it was only about 25 percent of people who have um, who, who end up doing the most technical courses that we do within the academy. You yeah. actually have a, a computer science background. Um, really? and They're all objectively assessed. And so it's it's incredible when you see somebody who has a degree in English or literature or music or. Yeah geography who has never really used a computer before other than writing the dissertation on it or to play games or to surf the web who in a very short space of time is is writing code at least as good as and often better than somebody with a computer science degree
0: that's really really interesting isn't it and i think that's that's great because i mean one of the key things at this moment in time is is diversity isn't it you Mm -hmm. know is, is looking at different areas and and particularly within the kind of the IT field is, is bringing people in, you know, Obviously, this is a huge thing socially and in society at the moment, diversity, and it's really kind of coming into industry as well. We see it a lot with our, with our clients and they're looking for people with different backgrounds, gender, race, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, how, to, you know, what, what kind of outcomes do you see coming out of this kind of current social and, and economic climate? with regards to diversity and how do you think particularly kind of businesses can react to this because obviously what you're doing is creating a more diverse
1: workforce really aren't you yeah I I think that I mean companies are waking up to the idea that having a diverse workforce essentially just Mm. all the evidence just shows that you have better results through that and the company is stronger as a result of it So, so I think I think companies are either at that place when they're realizing that they want to do this and they're thinking about how they can do it, or ones that maybe aren't there yet, they're also thinking, well, we have to do this because there's a lot of focus and a lot of attention on it. Um, I think the hardest part is working out how to do it. And that's easier in some roles than others. So if you look company wide at at increasing um, diversity, then that's going to be easier in in some roles traditionally than than it is in others. And traditionally technology has been the harder um, team. to be able to i mean i've been be in the industry
0: like 25 years and, and this isn't I, i'm never going to blame myself right because i uh, quite a lot of you put your hands up and say well i placed the, the cvs that i get but i would say five ten percent of people that i've placed have been female mm-hmm. you know that's 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 one kind of diversity fact and that that's based on the amount of cvs i've got so if you're working closely on changing that at, at root source mm-hmm. as it were that's That's really important, I think, for for technology and for and for society as a whole, isn't it?
1: I think I think that has to happen because um, the universities and the schools are trying to do all they can, and there has been improvements made in terms of attracting more, um, increasing diversity within those technology core technology subjects. But it's still hard. I mean, when I did an engineering degree twenty five years ago, there was one hundred and twenty of us there or thereabouts. Um, You know, had three women. Um, yeah. interestingly, I did a French and English degree and it was exactly the opposite. So, it, yeah. it worked out better for me, and that's not changing too much. You know, we're still maybe at a point where it's I think 15% kind of there or thereabouts mm-hmm. of, of, of undergrads um, doing sort of comp sci and tech and engineering degrees are, are women. Um, yeah. if you're trying to build diversity in tech teams and your starting point is they've got to have a computer science or an engineering degree you're kind of doomed to failure from the start really because you've only got 15 percent of people exactly
0: yeah yeah and that's so important isn't it and you know um you're kind of coming into this you know you, you talk therefore about um you know how you bring in people from different areas and i guess that kind of makes sense right because you know obviously you're trying to put new new talent into the market not just take a person with computer science and then basically put them back out again because you know you were trying to create you know fresh blood as it were how how is your kind of training how do you change the training when you when you do it um but maybe for a computer science person someone with a background in engineering to someone without it do you, do you have to go at it in a different way and are there things that other schools and education establishments can, can learn from you guys to to change that
1: maker, i think when we created the training back back in 2013 or the first iteration of it our our approach was really to think what do we know now that we wish we knew when we were 21 and and even those of us with comp sci and engineering degrees we realized there was a huge gap in our knowledge um and that knowledge was hard to fill you know you, you can't go to one location online or one training course on udemy and 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 learn that it's It's distilled over sort of years of of learning and practical experience. And so what we're aiming to do is just think, how can we distill that down? How can we really distill that down to its essence and and deliver that to people Mm. as quickly as possible to sort of accelerate that learning so they know what they need to know to be effective with clients? Um, So just enough theory to be able to understand and to be able to ground that that knowledge, but at the same time, far more focused on the, on the practical side of it, of, of what's actually required. And it was always, it's always a bit of a balance between working out how far back you go, because um, if, if you start fairly high up, then in terms of the knowledge and in terms of the understanding, then then what you find is that if the base isn't secure, just like a house, it kind of falls over in the wind, yeah. Um, yeah. you need to be able to, to build those basics. But at the same time, the challenge is that if you start too low down and, and you, you find yourself talking about, you know, binary, for example, there's, there's a huge gap between that and, and then actually how you, how that turns into something, something practical. So there has to be an understanding of the underlying principles, but just enough to be able to build on that.
0: No, that's right. And I think when you go through the courses, you, you use the three, three, six month period, isn't it? I think. And then at some point you, you say, this will be, you'll be better for the DevOps side. You'll be better for the quality engineer side, you know, is that a, are you pretty good at
1: calling that now you kind of yeah, (laughs) we've become better at that that over the years really i mean we put hundreds of people through this process so we've got quite a um quite an understanding now of 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 how well people perform in in those initial modules so how it works is we we give people um it's an initial six-week training course which has about a dozen modules in it which covers pretty much all elements of that software delivery life cycle um and that serves two purposes, really. First of all, it exposes everybody to a little bit of everything we do within the business. Yep. Um, they're objectively assessed, and that allows us across those dozens so modules to work out where people's strengths lie. How soon do you put them in front of clients out of interest? Oh, that that's oh, the, the very quickest that happens is, is sort of six weeks. Yeah, um, yeah, can... Normally, that, that can be anything up to sort of... Um, sort of a three month, sort of four month period or, or even even longer in some cases. In fact, some people end up shadowing and working with some of our internal teams before they before they go to clients. yeah um, you'll let them loose. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the second um, thing, that the feedback we get from clients in terms of giving everybody that wide exposure is that um, what we found in industry is that a lot of people have quite deep knowledge which tends to be quite narrow. So by exposing people to a little bit of everything, um, although they may just be working, as you said, as in a role as a developer or a DevOps engineer or a or a tester or an RPA engineer or a BA or yeah. whatever they end up doing, um, because they've been exposed to all of that, they're able to empathize and understand the challenges of other teams within an organization. And that helps them effectively make changes which make life that makes lives easier for those people and those there's so much interactivity and so much kind of symbiosis
0: in, a, in an IT project now and it's not like you said it's not just about engineering and computer science it's about what is the business analyst thing what's the project manager trying to do what, what what is the what does the user want I mean that's that's important isn't it thinking about what the user wants really generally isn't it you know when you, it comes down
1: well to always it. always it always has to be that that sort of like user-centric mm-hmm. thinking and then 20-odd years ago, you know, everybody was in these silo teams. You know, you'd they'd check something over the wall. You know, the, the developers would write it. You know, they'd lock themselves away, and then they certainly wouldn't test it. That would be thrown over the wall to a test team, and then that would be thrown back again. These, these kind of, those silos have largely disappeared now, um, yeah. which is good. But, but what that means is that you need people who can do a little bit of everything, who will embrace that. But most importantly of all, you need people that can communicate well. With lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds, and with lots of different life experiences and different ages as well.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, and, and and even more now because obviously communication and kind of
0: video communication and talking to people is is so important. You've got to be good at that verbal communication as well because you can't right. do it so much kind of face to face. You know, if if you if, if a business leader is listening to this now, you know, and obviously what they should do if they want to build a diverse workforce is obviously called 1010, I know, but um and <laughs> yeah. um, what should they be doing to with regards to kind of developing those tech skills to, to combat the skill shortage crisis, which is only gonna you know, if we're talking about the UK, it's only gonna get worse with things like Brexit, that sort of thing, uh, and lockdown and you know, GCSE's being messed up and degree courses.
1: So so what should what would be your best kind of advice for them? I think, there's, I think there's three things, really. Um, I, think, I think the first thing is, now these sound obvious, and they are obvious, but, but they're easy to say and hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first one is, it's all about the right people in my experience, yeah. and it's far less about the skills. Um, the tech industry uh, moves very quickly, um, but what's interesting there is that whilst it does move very quickly and there are lots of new things to learn, a lot of the new things are actually built on old things. Um, so it's more of an um, a evolutionary approach rather than a, lever- uh, a revolutionary approach. So, so you really need to be able to find people who are able to learn quickly, who want to learn, um, and who are also wanting to keep their skills current. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's, and foremost, one of the things. And also that expertise is fleeting, isn't it? So I think that's part of the thing here is, is really building that knowledge with with those people. Um, I mean, you yeah. can hire them in with with the right skills that you that you need but um you know as you said yourself the challenge is some of those skills are fleeting so so really it's about identifying people who aren't who don't just have that veneer of those particular skills and technologies that you're looking for at the time but have that deep understanding and that ability frankly which will allow them to be able to learn and to be able to to build on those skills that they have already yeah and that comes from passion i guess yeah it's it's the first question that we ask people in an interview you know where's your passion for technology sort of come from how does that manifest itself and that's that's really what you're looking for because um you know to, to be good at something yes you've you've got that natural side of it or that natural ability but so much of it is also the drive and wanting to do it um and and that doesn't necessarily Equally, I've worked with people over the years who work in technology, you certainly aren't passionate about it. To avoid as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we talked
0: a lot about kind of talent and uh, and developing this when you're kind of working within the academy. How, how do you think the talent like landscape will change going forward over
1: the next, you know, over the next 12 months? I think we're going to continue to see increased demand for those newer skills, um, those kind of modern engineering skills. I think as more organizations have embraced um, some of those DevOps methodologies and some of those DevOps techniques, they've had yeah, to do yes. getting software out the door. So I think from a skills point of view, we're going to see that. From a point of view of um, your personality types and, and those sort of behaviors, we need people who can work remotely. We need people who... Can engage on a video conference, um, who won't just sort of you know shy away. I, I think now more so than ever, we need people who will you know put their hands up and ask questions because um, it's so that self motivation, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the ability to, to
0: work, work solo and stuff.
1: Yeah, the ability to work solo, but but the the want to to they need to want to be able to build those teams and to be able to build those collaboration. Because if you if you're in an office, it kind of has to happen. You yeah, will, yeah. You, can set that
0: yeah you can't sit there twiddling your thumbs for exactly, for hours. exactly. but if you, you can I've, I've seen people do it ash so it's possible but <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's much better when you're much easier when you're doing it from home but no i definitely think you know that's what we're seeing we're seeing you know demand increasing we're seeing people asking us to create different types of teams different different types of people into their business um and and it's a challenge for, for recruiters for consultancies and for kind of employees to to really kind of match up to those different types of requirements but I think you know I I, from my side from from speaking to you over you know since we've been kind of talking it's really great to see kind of companies like 1010 who are you know taking a different aspect of it and trying to do something to change that which a lot of people don't they just accept how it is and that's the way it is but but you guys aren't doing that are you?
1: Yeah absolutely I mean, my. My own personal aim, um, you know, I talk about the idea of, you know, Project 1010, we've put hundreds of people through this process, you know, the next aim is to put a thousand and ten people through it. And then I want to yeah, yeah. You know, to, to be able to, to do more than that. The, the thing that's really interesting for me when we, when we do this is when I speak with and interview people as part of this, of this process, um, how many of them just so, so want to get into technology and they want to work in technology. Yeah, but that's they feel right. People that that's being, not denied them, but but that door has been shut to them based on the decision they made when they were you know perhaps even fourteen years old in terms of what GCSEs, A level degrees choices they did. Yeah, right. um, and for me, that that just doesn't make sense. You know, there is a huge pool of talent out there of people mm-hmm. that want to do this and who can do this. What what they're looking for is the opportunity to be able to to show people who would be able to prove themselves that, to prove themselves yeah. and to everybody else that they can do it, and they they can.
0: Well, it's brilliant that you're giving people those opportunities, and it's been great to kind of speak to you today. And I do wish you well with the with the cohort. When do they when do they graduate, Ash? Are they near near that graduation point? Uh,
1: so these guys they will be they'll, they'll conclude their their core six week training in um, that will be sort of mid um, mid late Feb, um, and then off the back of that we'll then be sitting down with them and working out what specialist role based training courses to put them in where it's BA DevOps mm-hmm. development rpa whatever that looks like
0: and i'm sure if someone um wanted to find out more about the 1010 academy they can kind of contact
1: you through linkedin
0: we'll obviously post the link and that sort of thing or by email or whatever absolutely or
1: by my email or via um our website 1010.com yeah absolutely
0: brilliant well ash thanks very much for your time today i really really enjoyed that thank you very much
1: no a pleasure thanks very much david thank you